Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Whoa. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go what is going on everybody congratulations to those of you who are able to win that uh, lombardi trophy that elusive fantasy football championship last night and to those of you that didn't I am sorry. Uh, Hopefully it wasn't anything we said that made you guys lose. Uh, It's definitely been a weird season all around for everybody, but if you were able to come away with the title, I think it should count as two this year because it has definitely been a trying time, uh, especially with games being canceled, moved around, postponed, multiple players being out. I mean, just like I have a – a league where you cannot start it's no there's no flex positions it's two running backs three wide receivers and a tight end multiple leagues like that where that's all you can play and so say for instance with the Saturday games and the Friday games and say you had Jarvis Landry in your lineup and you didn't have any other bench players and then come Saturday morning you find out he's out and all your players the other players have played and uh, we had a guy who wasn't able to actually put in a lineup and lost by six points It's rough, rough, man. Rough year with COVID. Hopefully, we don't have to deal with this next year. I was lucky enough to be able to come away with five championships. Gabriel Davis got me a two-point win last night. Uh, So, thankful and appreciative of that because it seemed like I was on the other side of that most of the year in some of my other very important leagues. Uh, So, happy to have come away with at least five championships this year. Uh, Matt, how did you end up finishing out your season here uh, in 2020? Um, I won in four, and then uh, one of them, I got Beasley. Uh, he was like the one receiver that didn't get majorly involved. 
but it, it was so weird. In a couple of them, I almost felt a little bit ashamed. Like one of them, I won by 130 points because I had Kamara, Diggs, and Josh Allen. Like I had already won before the game started last night, and it was, uh-huh. it was almost like one of those college teams where you pile on because you decided to be funny if you got 100 points. Gotcha. It was like the feaster, feaster famine. A couple of those, uh, you know, I had, um, I had Kamara and Adams and Kelsey in one, and you know, just like some of the players that exploded, all were on the same lineup. Yeah, yeah. As we talked about yesterday, I had a couple of those uh, teams I went against that really kind of knocked me out of uh, being being in ten of them, and then and then kind of like quickly realizing going into I think it was Saturday that I was like, yeah, this is just done for me uh, with their no, it was like yeah, going into Sunday because there was one that had uh, it was like Waller, Evans, Kamara, yeah. all on one team, and I was like, yeah, uh, I'm I'm not coming back. But- and talk about a week where you could have actually gotten some Monday night championship miracles. Yeah. And Josh Allen was solid, but if, if you had digs and you were down 40 points, you're probably like, oh, well, I had a good run. And then you look this morning, you're like, I had a better run than I thought. Yep. Yeah, I know. I heard uh, some people talk about on Series X7 this morning. There was one guy that was down like, 80 plus something points and he had Allen and Diggs and ended up winning by two points because of the, the combined effort between them. So yeah, it was, you know, it, it's always good to be on the winning side of those. It always sucks to be on the losing side of those. If you ended up watching someone come back, which happened to me, I'm sure it's happened to everybody this year. And then obviously was on the winning side of that too. So again, it was, uh, it was definitely a, a fun, interesting year. Hoping we don't have to necessarily deal with all of this next year. Hopefully we can go back to a more regular NFL season, but let's finish talking about uh, this week, 16 championship games. We left off uh, with a couple games uh, yesterday. Uh, so we'll start with those with the chargers beating the Broncos 19 to 16 lock, 14 points, Gordon, seven, Judy, 12 and fan 12. Judy uh, really struggled with a couple key drops in this one cost Denver, the game. Uh, do you expect him to bounce back? Yeah, you know, it's I, – I was excited about him pre-draft, and I know some people had him as number one. I thought it was a, a good pick and going to be a good opportunity, but unless something substantial changes, Denver's not going to be an incredibly high-volume pass offense. And, you know, yesterday after a couple of weeks of him not getting a lot and them being some loud complaints, they forced him 15 targets. He was credited with two drops. I would say he had several more than that, and they were big. You know, one right in the end zone, one when they're down 1916, lock hit him right in stride going down the field, would have put them in surefire field goal range. Just dropped. I mean, it was a brutal day. He is a rookie, no offseason program. Hopefully, it'll get better. My concern, if you're holding him in dynasty, is, you know, Sutton comes back. We've seen Tim Patrick be pretty good. K.J. Hamler has looked pretty good at times. Yesterday, Deshaun Hamilton looked better than Judy, catching the ball in traffic and making some plays. No offense there. And we know in this system they like to dump off to running backs if possible. You know, where is – you know, where if you're the fourth or fifth option in a lower-volume passing offense, what – you know, what is the reasonable ceiling and expectation? I haven't seen him. I thought this was his chance this year with a lot of these guys getting knocked out to maybe step up and thrive. And he really only had one good game. 
Yeah, I, I'm. I'll be interested to see what happens next year. Obviously, you know, we've talked about did, has Locke done enough to keep that job? Will Denver? Will Denver go after a quarterback? That's something we'll obviously be discussing all offseason. Uh, I think out of most of those guys, as much as I like Tim Patrick, and I still had Judy third in my wide receiver ranks behind La- uh, Lamb and Rager. I still think Judy's a very talented wide receiver. He obviously has not had a great year. Uh, I, I think we've seen over the past couple of years that not every rookie wide receiver comes in and just lights it up. And as you just mentioned, not having any kind of offseason uh, or real any training camps probably didn't help a lot of these guys. I mean, obviously Justin Jefferson's been balling out, but it's Justin Jefferson. And that's right. Nobody like Lamb's had his moments. I'm trying to think of who else has even been up there. Ayuk has, has come on and had some good been, moments. But I mean that—that's really it. Like we've seen a good game out of Judy. I would say we saw some promising moments out of Rager, but we haven't seen really anything consistent out of him. So, and all those guys too in different offenses. Like Lamb earlier in the year, he looked phenomenal because he was being fed the ball by Dak Prescott, and then kind of fell off for a little bit. Then came back on once Dalton started finding his feet. You know, Jefferson struggled early, but then he's come on obviously really hot. I think he's for most people, and this, again, I think goes to. You know, stuff we can talk about in the offseason, but for a lot of people coming out, he was one of the top guys. Then we all kind of faded him because he went to Minnesota and he didn't have great, uh, like, time things and some of the drills that he ran at the combine. So a lot of people started to fade him and maybe he just showed us that he was actually just this good. He was that good in LSU last year. Maybe don't worry so much about the combine and landing spot. So. I'm not as worried about Judy. I think, obviously, my biggest fear with him is Sutton. Once Sutton comes back, does he come back and be that kind of alpha we saw he can be with Locke? And if that's the case, I still think Judy comes in as the two. Uh, but I do agree with what you were saying. With with the limited amount they seem to throw the ball, I think I you're going to have – I think Fant ends up being the two. That That's what I was going to say. I think that Fant end up, is going to be the one that hurts him more than Patrick or – uh, Hamilton or Hamler, any of those other guys, I think it's going to be Fant that hurts him more. That that I agree with you on that. That's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. So it, it you know it'll be interesting to see what happens. And again, we don't know if they're gonna keep Locke. That's kind of our assumption now. Things could change. Could they change? Uh, I think I mean, based on all the conversations they've had, they've already guaranteed Fangio's coming back, and that they're gonna try to leave the staff exactly intact. Um, and from from what they've discussed, I would be surprised at this point now if Locke isn't back gotcha so it'll it'll be interesting yeah don't sell on Judy uh you know don't take this one year as as he's not going to be good in my opinion again we've seen years where it's taken three four years sometimes for some of these guys to break out if you're in a deeper dynasty league Judy just may be a guy you're not gonna be able to play for a year or two you know I I still think Pat Shermer is a good offensive coordinator I think he'll figure out ways to get Judy the ball next year we'll see uh, speaking of rookies, Herbert uh, has a great game here, 16 points, Eckler 15. The Chargers get their sixth win in route of Herbert breaking the rookie touchdown record. Uh, congratulations to him. If there was anybody who could break Baker's record, for me, it would be him. He's one of been one of my favorite quarterback prospects over the years since really Baker. Uh, do you think he is a lock for rookie of the year? Um, yeah, I think so. There's been some talk about, Jefferson, who's close to breaking some kind of record, too, um, for receivers. But I think it's got to be him, you know, with the numbers we've seen. My question for you, do you think Burrow would have also broken it if he would have stayed nope. healthy? Nope. Yeah. I didn't think he was tracking to do it either. He so. wasn't. Um, I had posted um, 
I didn't end up posting it because I didn't want to be mean to fellow friend of the network, Ricky Valero. But there was one point where Herbert was like really hitting his stride. I think it was four or five games into him starting. I looked at it and he had already thrown as many touchdowns as Burrow had the entire year. Now Burrow had what, I guess a game more than him or whatever, two games, whatever. Yeah. Um, but Burrow had yeah. already passed That's only one game. One game, okay, yeah, that's right. Because he yeah, came because in Herbert came in, and- yeah, for the punctured lung incident, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But Herbert had already like surpassed him and was throw had thrown like many more touchdowns than him and less interceptions. That's I think that's the biggest key. And you know that was something we talked about though. None of us, I think, were on the Burrow train. That was Ricky. Ricky said that Burrow was going to throw for like over I think forty five hundred yards, thirty plus <laughs> touchdowns, Cincinnati and that was so bad. Yeah, well, and that's what we all said, and I, I got what he was saying on Cincinnati was going to be throwing the ball because they were going to be behind, and he was right on that factor. But I also, you know, I think we all talked about, but that offensive line is so bad. Is he going to have the time to? And like, they don't really have a running game. And now I'll give T. Higgins stepped up more than I thought he was. I was a little bit worried about what Higgins could do there, uh, but he stepped up and he looked. He's about to break. Um, he needs one catch to break Chris Collinsworth's. Uh, that's Rookie the other receiver. receiver we keep forgetting. Yeah. So Higgins has been great. You know, I'm, I like I said, I'm happy for Herbert. I'm excited. My biggest thing now is going to be what do we see in year two? Uh, it does look like defenses has started to adjust to him a little bit, but now it looks like him and that offense are starting to adjust a little bit back to those defenses because he had a couple mediocre games in there, but he started to bounce back, you know. Will this uh, offensive coaching staff be there? Will Anthony Lynn still be there? There's a lot of questions surrounding the Chargers right now, uh, but I am definitely excited for Herbert. I think you can, in my opinion, already put him into the top 10 of dynasty quarterbacks moving forward. There's not a lot of guys. I mean, I would almost say top five, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. So there's not a lot of guys I can think of off the top of my head I would take over him, and that'll be – Again, some fun exercises we'll get to do in the offseason, talking about where players have come in and moved down, because – Pretty sure I was the highest in our quarterback rankings on Herbert. I know, uh, obviously, you and Dennis thought Tyrod was going to play longer than I did. I, no. I set three or four games. And, again, not because of performance like I thought. It was due to a medical thing. But Herbert got in there, and he did not relinquish that job. He played just the way I thought he was. So, well, it was definitely exciting. Performance, just not his own performance. That, very true. Very true. All right, so the Cowboys, uh, Matt's Cowboys here, continue their winning streak, uh, making us hurting hurting me too in our picks. I think I dropped like two games, so I'm I'm probably little chance that I'm going to end up winning our pick 'em thing now because I'm not just going to go contrarian because I don't want I at least want to finish second. I don't want the guy behind me to catch me. Look, so I'm like Jake Gyllenhaal, just staring out at the Cowboys, saying, "I wish I knew how to quit you." Yeah. They, they win 37-17. Hertz has his uh, first kind of comeback to earth game. 18 points. Sanders, 18. Deshaun Jackson, 15. The Eagles come up short. Uh, you know, is Hertz their future? We saw um, – I don't know. the. I didn't see the entire question. So I don't know if it was framed as in, is Jalen Hurts your starting quarterback for week 17? I was told that the question was, is Jalen Hurts your starting quarterback? And Doug Peterson answered the question, well, duh. So I don't know if that means for the future, week 17, what are your I think, thoughts? I think he meant for week 17 because I think they'll have a whole offseason where they'll go over it and have to answer some questions. The other thing, 
I didn't realize Deshaun Jackson was going to be able to come back because we were when we last yeah, saw we him. Thought he was done. That was a pretty bad leg injury. I thought he was going to be done. So really excited to see him come back and, and have another, you know, big. When I saw there was an Eagle Jackson that scored like a 60-yard touchdown, I'm like, could that be Deshaun? And then you look. Um yeah, you know, I think there's going to be growing pains. It wasn't a terrible game. It probably looks a little worse because Dallas's defense hasn't been very good all season. Um, but let's see how he does against Washington bouncing back. You know, he was never going to be, you know, un- undefeated for his career. I mean, they haven't they haven't won a ton of the games he started. He's just looked good. The yeah. offense, you know, I think r- our friend Ricky, who you mentioned earlier, posted an interesting. Uh, you know, he has a lot more turnovers than what Wentz had in the, you know, in the in a similar stretch right before he got benched. I think the factor that he brings is with how depleted Philadelphia's offensive line and, and everything is right now. He's a better fit for what they need to do and mobility and trying to make some stuff happen. I don't know if that means he's the great answer for the long term, but I think he's played better during this stretch than, than I thought he was going to, than some people yeah. thought he was going to. And he's definitely made uh, the offseason of discontent in Philadelphia a lot more difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure my exact words when they made this move was, I don't think he's going to end up doing anything worthy of keeping this job. Not Maybe not exact sentence, but pretty close to that. He's been better than I expected. I, I know I said because my feelings – on him coming into the draft was I did not think he was going to be a great NFL quarterback. I didn't think he was ready. He's proved me wrong on that too. So, you know, and we talked about it multiple times. It's going to be interesting if he plays well enough, what they do with Carson Wentz. I know that he had a bad year. I think that fumble was bullshit. I was watching that game. His knees were down. That was not a fumble. So I agree. He's got, he's got the turnovers, but so is Wentz. Like Wentz just was turning the ball over like it was, you know, like he was going out of style there when he was the quarterback for the Eagles. So I think they're gonna it's gonna make things very interesting. We already know Carson Wentz has come out and said that he does not want to be part of Philadelphia if he's gonna be a backup. So what does that mean? Do they continue to lean on Hurts? Do we end up getting like a Chicago situation of this year where they come in and they're like, now Wentz is the starter, but maybe he has a real short leash, and the next thing you know, he gets a couple bad games and Hurts goes right in there, and then Wentz is sitting on the bench. Who knows? I, I think their best option is to just trade him. But as we talked about earlier a couple weeks ago, you know that contract, while it's not as Bad for the cap as we thought it was. It's going to take a lot to get that done. There's only a few teams that can take that that contract on, and they're probably not going to get much back for him. So who knows if that happens. Overall, I think Hurts has been, obviously, as you mentioned, too, much better than any of us expected him to be. There's very few I saw that were saying they thought Hurts would be good. So he's making this, I think, a more difficult decision than maybe the Eagles front office wanted it to be moving forward. Uh, for the Eagles, Dalton, 26 points. Zeke, 17. Thanks, Zeke. Appreciate you, buddy. It's been phenomenal having you on my team these past couple weeks. Uh, Lamb, 23. Gallup, 30. And Cooper, 16. Dallas's offense is coming together. Do you think that they end up making the playoffs? Do you think they can make any noise in the playoffs if they do make it? Well, I'm not like the people that you live with that think uh, once they're in, they're the second-best team in the NFC. Yeah. But a couple of weeks ago before Thanksgiving, I think, thought that they were going to be the one that, you know, when we did our who's going to win doing our picks uh, uh, for the, for the NFC East, I thought they were going to be the one they, they signed Andy Dalton 
for what he looked like yeah. uh, Sunday. You know, it took him longer than I thought to figure it out. I thought, you know, I think we were similar and that we thought it, they wouldn't have that huge of a drop-off when they went from Dak to Andy Dalton. They had a massive drop-off for a while trying to figure it out. And maybe, maybe Zeke was more hurt than we realized, and that was letting it down a little bit. But yesterday or Sunday, I thought we saw – a little bit of the Cowboy offense I was expecting to see with Andy Dalton. They look like they're kind of hitting their stride just about the time we wrote them off right after Thanksgiving. They've gone on a pretty good winning streak. They've had some good uh, wins. Obviously, the 49er team that they beat the week before isn't that bad because we saw what they did to Arizona on Saturday. Um, Philly had been one of the hottest offenses you know, coming in, and they, they managed to bottle them up. Uh, I think Dallas – has the momentum and could easily win the East. That's where it ends for me because, you know, I'm sorry if you're sitting there thinking you think Dallas has it over Tampa Bay, they don't have a better offense and they don't have a better defense. So I don't know what you think they have. Maybe they have a better kicker. I'll give you Greg Zerline. The only way I could see Dallas beating Tampa Bay if they make the playoffs is if we just see one of those games where Tampa Bay just doesn't show up, which we've seen multiple times this year. And so I I wouldn't be surprised by it. That being said, I I still believe in Washington. I think they have the better team overall with what uh, they have on defense and offense. You know, again, that that team has looked – Extremely different with Alex Smith back and behind quarterback compared to Haskins, Heineke, um, Kyle Allen before he got hurt, obviously. Alex Smith has brought like a, a calming presence now. Again, if Terry McLaurin is out, that is going to hurt. They seem to have a pretty good connection. Antonio Gibson actually looked kind of good last week coming back that quickly from turf toe. Uh, going up against an Eagles team that is also beat up in the secondary and the defensive uh, line, I think. It's probably why they flex that game this Sunday night Sunday night set of some of the others because I do think it's going to be a very good matchup. I think the Cowboys beat the Giants. I don't see that being an issue, but Washington, I do expect, is going to find a way to beat the uh, the Eagles, which is going to put them into the playoffs. And I I would say the same thing though. I don't think Washington. No. The only reason I want to see Washington go too is I think they would give Tampa Bay a better game. Mm-hmm. Because of that defense. Now, I don't think the offense would be able to keep up, but I think that defensive line would be able to pressure Brady, and that secondary is good enough to hold most of their weapons in check. They'll find well, a way to come off. But That's basically how I feel. You know, there's technically three teams live in the NFC East, um, although I I don't give the Giants more than a puncher's chance. Yeah. I think the win for one of those teams is getting in and getting to host a playoff game. I, I just don't, even with how the NFC has been more uneven down the, down the line, mm-hmm. as we talked about, Tampa Bay looks like they're rounding into shape at the yeah. perfect time, and they have a ton of good experience in key positions. I just don't see any of those teams being able to keep up with them. Yeah. All right, so the Seahawks beat the Rams 22-9. Goff, nine points. Cup, 14. Woods, eight. The Rams are falling apart, and now they face uh, uh, they must face a must-win against Arizona without Goff. With John and Wall- without Cup. With, with, Cup. Uh, oh, Cup's out too? I did not Cup see went that. on the COVID list today. Oh, jeez. So, so well, with John Wofford or Blake Bortles is contract, was it Was it contact tracing, or did he test positive? I, they said they transferred him to the COVID IR. Okay. I didn't read all the details. Hopefully, I was just like, 
hopefully that's contact tracing things. Then he can come back. If it's, if it's obviously positive, he ain't, he's not going to be able to come back in time, but yeah. And then you got Wofford and Bortles right now that if Murray can't come back, that's going to be a, a tough game to watch. So it's going to be a limp game to watch. I mean, well, and acres is out because acres wasn't supposed to be the back for the regular season. I don't think. Well, they did say today that there's a chance he could make it back. So I'm guessing because the Henderson's out now. So it's either going if they can't get yeah, Akers back, then you're melting. I Brown. saw that. I saw that play at the when Henderson's running for the goal and they rolled up on his ankle. It looked like he might have. I mean, that didn't look good at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's gonna be. Uh, yeah. Well, and you know the sucktastic thing probably is Chicago at this point might be a more fun team to watch. Yeah. But they will probably have a harder road going against Green Bay. And if the Rams manage to lose to the Cardinals, which now seems eminently possible, those teams would both get in because they'd be – They have the better division record. Better, yeah. Well, and or conference. I'm they, sorry, conference. They'd have nine wins and the Bears would be stuck at eight. Gotcha. Oh, no, I'm talking about like if, if I thought you meant if the Rams and Bears won, they would get in. Or, sorry, if no, the Rams think, and Bears lost. No, if – yeah, if the Rams and Bears lose, the Bears are 8-8, eight and eight, and so they end up out. If the Bears win and the Rams lose, the Rams are out again at 9-7, second year in a row. They would wow, have slumped tonight. Yeah, I guess the Bears would have the – I was watching that football night in America, Steve Kornacki's yeah. scenarios, and that was one of the ones he mentioned. Yeah, I know. I know. See, I didn't know that part. I know that. Well, I guess that would make sense because the what I was listening to this morning, they were saying pretty Arizona. It's Arizona is like Cleveland. I guess they have to win to get in. Now, the difference in Arizona is out right now. They're not in the last spot. But if Arizona loses, even if Chicago loses, Chicago is still in above the Cardinals because of their better conference record. So Arizona has to win. And then, yeah, I guess what it would come down to is if the Bears, which I mean, I guess they could. I don't see them beating the Packers, but anything is possible. They're definitely playing a lot better than they were earlier when they played the Packers. So it's possible yes. they could beat them, but I'm not expecting As far as what I've seen, the Packers don't have the one seed sewn up. So no, they don't. They're going yeah. to have to play. So Yeah. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, Wilson 19, Carson 10, DK 11, and Tyler Lockett 7. Seattle wins the NFC West, but just has not looked good the past couple weeks. Uh, how do you feel about their offense going into this, uh, into the playoffs, kind of stumbling around still? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I was talking to my friend, you know, we've done, um, the last couple of years, you know, you've, you and I've been in them too, the, the playoff kind of fantasy bracket where you pick one player from each team in advance. I'm going to set up a bracket again this year for my work and probably for our listeners um, to put in. Who would you bet on in this Seattle offense? Metcalf, Lockett, Carson, they've all, they all have great talent, but none of them has been great. Even DK Metcalf after the middle of the season when they were comparing them to like Jerry Rice has come way back to earth. Russell Wilson's been okay, but not incredible. He went from being, you know, top of the MVP talk to not even consideration. They've had a decent season. They're eleven and four. Could easily be twelve and four. Finish eleven and five. They're going to be a top seed. I just they're not. They're a good team, but not a great team. And I have trouble right now identifying one single thing that they do incredibly well. Their defense is okay, but they don't have any, like, spectacular things. And right now, offensively, they're okay. They're getting by, not doing anything spectacular. Yeah, maybe that's enough. The NFC doesn't 
have any like truly probably dominating teams. Everybody has kind of their flaws. Um, but I think Seattle has sort of lucked out in that the Rams and the Cardinals have fallen apart. So looking at the standings, Green Bay actually has sewed up the one seed. Uh, if they lose, they're tied on record with New Orleans, but they beat New Orleans head-to-head. So they would go – I think the only thing that could change it would be Seattle. I don't know if Seattle could jump them for the That's one right. seed. I think Seattle is the one that can jump them. It's can not jump them. Okay. Yeah, because they both have 11-4, and four, so then that does make sense. So Green Bay will have to play. Because I was looking at this, like, yeah, they played New Orleans. There was they a did reason not that, play. They had, that they had to try to win or that they weren't guaranteed. Gotcha. Okay, so that does make that makes a little bit more sense. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be Seattle. You know, maybe they can get it going. They definitely don't have the defense that they can rely on like they have the past couple years. So that offense is going to have to get going. I don't think they're going to have to win shootouts, and I don't think their offense needs to be as good as it was, say, the first four or five weeks of the season. But they need to be better at what they have been. If there was a guy that I had to rely on, for me, it probably would be Metcalf just because he's got that. Even if, say, the Seahawks, you know, get bounced in round one they at least dk has that shot of getting you like 25 points in that one game uh so i take that obviously because if you lose a, you know it sucks but you can only have kind of like the one guy per certain team so okay gotcha yeah so it, that then the packers do definitely have to uh de- definitely have to play this weekend uh, and speaking yeah, of the packers oh go ahead yeah because that would be interesting i think seattle has san francisco yes they uh, do which, is, which isn't a gimme either yeah uh, so the Packers beat the Titans on Sunday night, 42-14. Tannehill, 16 points. Henry, 9. A.J. Brown, 8. Uh, John U. Smith, 12. Bad beat for Tennessee. Do you think? Do you still think that Henry can get to 2,000 yards? They got Houston. He's 223 yards away. So it's possible. It's possible. But I'm actually going to lean toward no. because I th- And we thought, especially with the way the snow was setting up and going against a fairly friendly Green Bay front that he would do well, but Green Bay got out so much so early, and then Tannehill with the huge runs in that game. Yeah. Of course, your man, Johnny Smith, uh, following the Hayden Hurst plan of catching yeah. touchdowns after it no longer mattered for you. Yeah, love him. Gotta love him. Well, again, I'm not going to hate too much on Johnny, um, just because you know we've talked about it throughout the year, the way they were using him in blocking and, and certain other things going on. We kind of talked about neither one of us thought he was going to continue the run he was on. They just weren't using him the same way. What's going to be interesting for me with John is that he's a he's a restricted free agent. So does he end up? Or I think I don't know if he's restricted. He may just be a free agent. I'll be curious to see if he ends up leaving Tennessee this year and if he can get a job somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say we'll find out very early on in that game if uh, if Henry's going to have a shot of breaking so, thousand yards. The only. He's gone over 200 yards twice uh, this season. Once was against Houston. He had 22 carries for 212 yards in week six, and they had 26 for 215 against Jacksonville a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, the fact that he's gone for 212, he'd only need, you know. 11 more yards. Yeah, 11 more yards than that. And they're going to be trying to get it for him, I think. Yeah. Well, that's what I was That's what I was saying. So I think you'll find out early on if they're going to try and push him towards getting that. If they just start feeding him, which 
I think they should have done it times last uh, on Sunday night, and they just didn't do. So if they all of a sudden come out and like the first eight plays are just Derrick Henry handoffs, and then he's eating up yardage. I mean, we saw some Maje P. Ryan look like a world beater last week against the Texans. So I know. So I I do think that there's a shot. I would put it in all honesty if I had to cap, and I'm going 50-50 right now. I think there's a realistic shot. Henry gets it because I'm with you. I think. They do want to give it to them, and they're still playing to win that division. If they lose, there's a shot they don't win that division. So I, I yeah. think that they're going to do everything they can to go back to what they were doing, kind of game, control the clock, run the ball, and and that could lean in Henry's favor to get into that 2,000 yards. For Green Bay, Rodgers 25, Aaron Jones 12, A.J. Dillon 25, and Devontae Adams 43. Dillon had his best game of the season. Do you think this is a sign of things to come? I mean, I think with the weather changing and stuff, they're they're probably wanting to establish uh, some strong running. It seemed like that must have been a little bit of the factor of trying to get him out there and start pounding with him. Uh, you know, with the with the weather conditions, I thought Aaron Jones looked good when he was running the ball. He had a pretty solid yards per carry clip, um, but definitely the best we've seen from AJ Dillon this season. He hadn't been a huge factor much of this season. It was interesting that here in in what would be kind of a crucial game, he was coming out. So I'll be curious to see how they use him in Week 17. It almost seemed like he all of a sudden supplanted Jamal Williams, who had been a pretty active part of their offense uh, going up to that point. Yeah, I think that's who he's going to supplant more than anything. Now, it would obviously be interesting to see what happens with Aaron Jones. We know he's a free agent. Um I don't know if he's going to command that big money contract like we've seen from some other people or some other running backs, but I think he showed more that he's the Jamal Williams than he is the Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is like the the lightning to the thunder in, in that kind of grouping. I don't think jo- A.J. Dillon can be the lightning. He's the thunder. He's the well, power back. So. And Aaron Jones, it seemed like they were close to an extension uh, the first part of the yeah. season when we saw Kamara and Cook, and it seemed like they were going to get it done, and it just didn't quite happen. But he's had another pretty impressive and amazing season. He was great on Sunday night. I mean, it was over nine yards to carry, I believe. Yep. Uh, just Well, some of that may have been skewed on the uh, out-of-bounds run that he made, which I'm not complaining about because I needed those five points because, again, I only won by two. So I'm not complaining that they uh, they got the playoff before the, the refs or Tennessee could challenge it. Well, and again, this will be more stuff we can talk about as we move into the offseason, but I, I would think there's a better chance he comes back because something I know yeah. you've brought up and, and we've talked about on here multiple times is a lot of talk is the NFL cap is going to go down. So I don't think a lot of free agents are really going to be leaving teams this year. I think more often than not, you're going to see these free agents staying with the teams they're on now, maybe taking lesser money deals, but like less year deals as well. So they can kind of go back out in the market in a year or two. If hopefully the cap goes back up. So I could see Aaron Jones signing like a decent, like maybe two, three year contract and then try it again. Instead of doing like a four or five year, like Henry uh, or Zeke did, but the cap is going to be the biggest thing. I think that affects free agents this year. It's going to be a lot of uh, interesting decisions. That is for sure. Uh, so last night's game, the Bills came out and boat raced the Patriots 37 to 9. Allen, 32 points. Moss, 12. Diggs, 41. Cole Beasley, 32. The Bills cruise. Diggs goes off again. Both those guys, or even just one or the other, probably won a few people their titles uh, with a Monday night miracle last night. 
Yeah, I mean, Diggs looked incredible. Some of those huge catches and um, going again, and there were some contested catches and and just going up. I didn't realize till afterward, Buffalo is the first team to sweep the Patriots in the division since they realigned the AFC East in 2002. That is a pretty auspicious mark. Um, you know, this has really been their kind of ascending season. I think they're in good shape to be locked in uh, as a two seed if they can handle their business on Sunday. And that's, you know, you probably really want them to handle their business against Miami. Yeah, I mean, you know, as we were talking about off air, the Browns uh, got a little bit of good news, I guess, in that Mason Rudolph is But see, it doesn't seem like they're benching anybody else, so that doesn't change much for me. I mean, I mean, if you can't get the ball to Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith Schuster and Chris Claypool, doesn't matter that they're playing. You know, Mason Rudolph beat him last year, so I can't. I mean, granted, that was with no Miles Garrett in that game, but still. Or no, I'm sorry, it was Duck Hodges yeah. that beat them. Sorry, it was Duck Hodges, but no, it I was Duck they, no, it wasn't. Rudolph was that game that got Garrett suspended. Yeah, the Browns won that game though. That's oh, okay. why. Yeah, remember that's why as Browns fans we were all pissed because that was leading into it looked like we had finally corrected things because we had won I think against Baltimore. We had just beaten Baltimore. We, I think we lost to the Rams the game after that, but that was that like on that the fourth down end zone play where Freddie Kitchens called a stupid play and they ended up losing. But it looked like the Browns were turning it around. Then you had the Thursday night game where Garrett obviously hits him with the helmet. At the end of the game where it was already over, the Browns had won the game, and then he goes and does that. And then they lost to Duck Hodges because that was the game. they. I know it was Duck because they needed to win that game to stay in the playoff race, and they lost. And it was like, really, we got beat by the third-string quarter. We got beat by a dude named Duck. Like, that was kind of uh, the feelings last year. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again. Like, it's great news for the Browns and the fact that they don't have to necessarily go up against Big Ben. But again – Still a really good defense, very good coach team in Mike Tomlin. I know I'm sure if you're Dolphins fans, you're not feeling great about that because Buffalo, in my opinion, still has to play somewhat. I mean, we'll see what they do now if they, maybe they don't start Josh Allen because they hear, oh, no, because- taking their foot off the gas, maybe we go Matt Barkley. Now, I think they they still need to win the game. They have to sure. win to yeah. sure themselves. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So maybe, but maybe Sean McDermott's sitting there like, oh, well, Pittsburgh's sitting Ben. I don't want Allen to get hurt. So I'm going to sit Allen and put Matt Barkley in there because my defense is good enough and that's going to help Miami, I would think. Now, I think the Colts, well, no, the Colts are good because they're playing Jag- the Jaguars. I mean, although they lost to the Jaguars on opening day, that's the Jaguars' one win. Yeah, that was, but that's Gardner Minshew's one win. And they got Mike, Mike Glenn on out there right now. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's anywhere near sewed up. I, I I know a lot of Browns fans are excited with that, but it's it's uh with the with the Mason Rudolph news. But I'm I'm not gonna predict a win just yet. I think there's a a lot of things. It's you know, any, as we've seen, anybody can beat anybody on paper. Shit, the Jets just beat the Browns this past weekend, so anything can happen. You know, uh, for the the Patriots, Cam nine points, Michelle six, and Jacoby Myers eight. The Patriots crater, uh, Newton got pulled. Uh, looks like that they're going to go with uh, why did I forget his name? Stidham, Stidham. Yeah. week seventeen as well. So we might have just seen the end of the uh, the Newton experience in New England and possibly. I hate to say it this way, possibly the end of Newton's career. Like he, he's not looked good at all this year. I, I don't at 
best, he's, I think, a backup somewhere. I don't think he gets another starting yeah. job. No, I think this is the end of him as a as a starter because the big knock is he hasn't he can't pass anymore, and you know that's fundamentally the job of the quarterback. He's not young enough and in his prime enough to just carry a team running, running wise. Uh, so it was an interesting swing and experiment, and it's not ending well for New England. They'll be lucky probably to get back to seven and nine. So. Uh, you know, with Cam being a free agent, it took a really, really, really long time for him to get signed this offseason. I don't see signing coming quickly because I, yeah, unless he changes his mentality, if he's happy to be a backup somewhere, he could probably get a job that hasn't so far been the, the vibe we've got. So, what is our Super Bowl predictions? I think I had it. Uh, Chiefs Saint was mine. So, I, I, I mean, I don't, I can't change it. I, I don't feel like it's fair for me to change it. But I'm pretty sure. Well, that- I mean, if they're talking oh, about what our what our pick is going to be for playoffs, I still want to see what the seeding is. But preseason, I think you and I were both Chiefs Saints. I know Dennis had the Saints too. I don't remember if he had the Chiefs or not. He I know he Saints. had the Saints. He didn't have the Chiefs. I think it was Chiefs. he had Pittsburgh. I think, I think he had Baltimore. No, Baltimore. Baltimore. That's right. Yeah, he had Baltimore. So yeah, I mean, I, I would still, <clears throat> you know, I still think the Chiefs are the odds-on favorites. Now, I had the Packers winning the NFC North, and I did have them losing to the Saints in the championship game. If that may means anything, I, I did believe the Packers were going to bounce back. If I had to choose now. I would definitely take the Packers. They look like, in my opinion, by far the best team in the NFC. I know the Saints have been good at times. I don't think anybody is as good as what the Packers are doing, at least. I'm going with the Cowboys. I mean, they're clearly the second-best team in the NFC, according to the chatter in your local area. No, I'm just kidding. Cowboys fans, got to love them. But, I mean, I guess every every home state or hometown team's fans are delusional. So, Plus, no one can stand in their way except for That's- them. That's that's very true. All right, so some of the the top news of the day before uh, we get in. Uh, so I guess I'll give my little thing now. If you're watching, and you guys have not seen the last two episodes of Mandalorian, uh, we will be talking about today's that today since we didn't get a chance to do it last week, and we won't have time to do it this Thursday. We're going to finish giving our final thoughts on Mandalorian season two. Uh, we're going to do that right after we get through these uh, three news headlines. So if you have not seen the last two episodes of Mandalorian. You probably got roughly five-ish minutes of us talking about these news things before we go to Mandalorian. So I'm just giving you fair warning now. Bail out so you don't get any spoilers because there will be spoilers. Uh, Goff has surgery. He's out Sunday. The Rams re-signed Blake Bortles, as we talked about a little bit. Doesn't look like he's going to be starting. It will be Walford. Uh, And and obviously the hope is they're saying that Goff will be back by the time they get to the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, especially if they don't have Cooper Cup. Um, you know, I got Wofford was good in the AAF, I guess. but uh, The best passer, apparently. Leading in passing yards or touchdowns, something like that in the AAF, yeah. So I'm told. I, I don't remember much of the AAF, but that's what yeah, I heard. You know, so, well, the AAF, I mean, was two, two off-seasons ago, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I said, I think the biggest thing for them is that I think they're hoping now that Kyler's going to be out. So at least it's somewhat relative on the, the quarterback front. If Kyler's in there, I think it's a big advantage for the Cardinals right now. Yeah, I mean, the Rams are going to need their defense to come up big. Yeah. 
Uh, we talked, obviously, just a minute ago about Cam possibly being done. Uh, Frank Gore is out this Sunday as well. Do you think this is the end of his career? Hall of Fame career, obviously. He, he's been phenomenal for, the has it been 14 years, I believe, right? Six, 16 years. Six, sorry, I did not mean to sell you short no. uh, there, Frank Gore. 16 years. Well, it's easy to forget the last two years with the Jets. I'm a Very true. Dolphins. Uh, Bills. <laughs> Bills. Bills. He, he, was he was Bills, Bills. but then... Was he Dolphins then Bills? I don't, I don't think so. I know he was Bills because he he killed all of our Devin Singletary no, love for a while. He's he's been on all three of them. No, so. yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm talking about. I think last year he okay, was just so. on the Bills. He was just on the Bills yeah, last Bills. year. Yeah, it must have been Dolphins the year before. It's just funny <laughs> to watch him bounce around the AFC East. I I think it probably is the end. Uh, heck of a career. Yeah, I mean he's arguably been their their best, most stable running back this year too. Just keeps yeah. on chugging. Yeah, obviously, I hate to see that he had to end it like that. I'd love to be able to see him come out on the field one last time, maybe get like one more touchdown or something like that in a goal line situation. Uh, For him to have to end his career being hurt really kind of sucks. You don't want to see a player have to go off that way. But again, 16 years uh, there's not a lot of players you get to see talk about playing for 16 years. So good on him. Uh, can't wait to see his hall of fame speech. A very interesting career too, from a guy that I think, uh, when he came into the league was someone that a lot of people labeled as injury prone. Cause he was hurt a lot at the beginning part of his career and then has turned into like this iron man, like the past easily, I would say decade, if not longer. Uh, so good on him. Excited for him. Hopefully he at least gets to be out there on the field one last time. And then last but not least, we'll just kind of finish it off with this. We've already discussed it a couple times, but the news came out that Mason Rudolph uh, will be starting for the Steelers on Sunday. Uh, I've already kind of given my thoughts on it, so I'll just kind of sit back and let you have the last word on this. I think it's an interesting move for Pittsburgh because they still have a potential option to get to the two seed, but – you know, we've talked about is is Ben ailing? Does he need, you know, some rest? So maybe they're just trying to to play it out. Maybe they don't really feel like there's a huge difference between two and three this year since there's no buy. Yeah, I could see that. You know, the, my biggest thing I think I brought up we talked about it yesterday was. And I know you've mentioned it. We've talked multiple times how they seem to have gotten screwed the most out of any other team when it came to the COVID scheduling with the way games were moved around. They never really got their bye week. They got screwed kind of just like Denver did. That, uh, when they were supposed to get buys, they didn't find out until late in the week that their games were being moved or postponed, so they didn't even get the time off they were supposed to get. You got Ben, who's coming off Tommy John surgery. Uh, so I think it's smart for them to kind of rest. And we've seen it in games. I've been watching, obviously, because I've got so many shares of Deontay Johnson. You know, multiple times games where he's shaking his elbow or grabbing his elbow. You know, again, as, as a baseball fan that I am, watching players come back from Tommy John is not an easy thing to do. So I think a week of rest is going to help him some. And I don't think there is a big difference, really, for two from three. So you go from either playing – Cleveland again, if, if say they end up keeping the two seeds somehow with, well, no, there'd be no way because if they lost, the only way that I guess that would happen is if they lost, they beat Cleveland, but then Cleveland ends up getting in because Indy loses, which I don't see happening. So there it would, it was going to be either Cleveland or who's who's six now. Um, Baltimore. The Dolphins, oh. the Dolphins went to five. Yeah. It's so actually Baltimore. Baltimore. That might be an argument to not. Yeah. Although, well, if, well, hold on. If you think that uh, 
that it's possible Miami loses, Baltimore will vault up to five. Well, yeah, and then so you're then, looking. Then you're looking at either Colts who just beat Cleveland or or Miami. Miami. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm not excited about the Browns getting Buffalo if that if that ends up happening that way because I I've, I've been saying I think Buffalo's are like one legitimate contender to the Chiefs. So, you know, I I, I yeah, not gonna be fun, but. It is what it is. We'll definitely talk more about that on Thursday. We'll have Dennis back with us. Uh, that will be our last episode of the week. We'll kind of go over every game, what we expect to have, and we'll talk some fantasy because I'm sure there are people who still play in uh, Week 17 championships. But that being said, we're going to jump in and give our last two thought, last uh, thoughts on the uh, the Mandalorian, the last two episodes, the Believer and the Rescue. Again, we didn't get a chance to talk about these uh, last week or the week before uh, because I yeah. think I was not feeling well and you had some stuff going on, so we ended up canceling the episode. Uh, so we're going to do that today here and kind of close out our, our Mandalorian fireside chat we've been doing all year long so starting with the believer uh, i like that episode a lot i thought it was a great penultimate episode we saw a great arc from bill burr uh what were your thoughts on seeing mando take off his helmet there toward uh, toward the end of that episode uh and what meant like he had to do it to be able to get grogu so what were your thoughts on on seeing that moment in him kind of putting aside his ideals and beliefs to be able to take care of the child and we've seen him i think been thinking about it um, differently since he first met Bo-Katan when, you know, with what they said about that's, you know, that's not true of all Mandalorian. That was, you're in, we're in a fringe sex, you know, it's like the, the guy that was in a cult that doesn't know he's in a cult until somebody tells him. Uh, but then, you know, I think we've seen too his love and attachment for uh, Grogu, um, you know, leading, leading to, him making that decision. And, you know, I think at some point in time, it was going to be that they, they want to be able to use the actual actor more yeah. too. Uh, you know, Pedro Pascal, you don't really hire him and, and slot him in there so that you can never see him. Um, so that I think from that standpoint, it makes sense and, and moving forward, but it's, it's also the evolution of his character. Cause you think about where he was, you know, that episode where you could tell he was moved and, and kind of, was in love with that widow lady in the, you know, the, the uh, shrimp alcohol patty in season one, you know, but couldn't do it. Couldn't bring himself to take off his helmet or break the rules to where he is now. Um, you know, it was an interesting move led to, to an interesting uh, sequence. I saw a lot of people comparing that, that bar scene a little bit to the uh, opening sequence of inglorious bastards, uh, you know, where where Christoph Waltz is kind of questioning and having the back and forth with that family. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can feel the tension and, and the what's not being said. And I thought it was some really great acting from Bill Burr, who the first time we saw him, I, you know, I didn't think that much of his role. That was kind of the heist episode that where everything went wrong in season one. It was interesting to see him him brought back. And I thought he had a really great arc in this one kind of showing the complexities, uh, you know, of these different movements, you know, uh, the big knock against him was that he had served the empire. And I think you see him really having some regrets about that, trying to make it right. I, I just thought it was a really good episode. Um, kind of maybe gives you a little bit of an idea of where they might go uh, in the future. You know, that was an episode without uh, Grogu. You know, yeah. it's more of a kind of standalone 
job episode, which seemed like what the Mandalorian was going to be when they first rolled it out last year. And then it's gotten a little more involved on a, on a pretty specific plot, but gives you kind of an idea of how it might work again. Yeah. Like I said, I, I thought it was phenomenal. It's, you know, we always kind of just assume that these stormtroopers, for the most part, are just kind of mindless robots who can't hit anything, can't hit the broadside of a barn when they're shooting at you. Uh, but they don't have any real, like, emotions, feelings, anything like that. And we've kind of seen that that's not the truth. I mean, we saw it, obviously, with Finn in the newest movies where he rebelled. You see, obviously, the group of other people who were sitting on... Um, don't remember the name of the the island planet where the, the Death Star crashed who were all stormtroopers yeah. as well that bailed. Uh, and then you get to see, obviously, people like uh, Bill Burr's character who clearly had issues with the way they were kind of treated in the Empire, which you expect as well, right? I mean, that's kind of the whole thing about it. It was good. It was good to kind of see that kind of um, just arc for his character. Now, I'm curious to see if we see him come back. They obviously let him go at the end of the episode. So curious to see if he makes a, another appearance here next season. Uh, no, uh, little baby Yoda here in episode seven. How did you feel about that? Is there a potential, you know, you just mentioned, is that how you expect this to kind of move forward for the future without them probably having him at all possibly next season? Yeah. And I, th I think they might go back to that. Um, you know, they set up something, uh, that we can talk about when we talk about the finale, where I, I think we get a little bit of an idea of what he might get involved in, uh, in season three, but you know, the idea originally was kind of these standalone spaghetti western style, um, you know, doing doing jobs and quests. And I thought it worked really well in that standpoint. Yeah. Uh, so any other thoughts on that or should we move on? Move on to the rescue. We can move on to the rescue. All right. So. Obviously, that was, in my opinion, one of the best episodes we've seen, not just uh, with the action stuff. You got the drama with him facing off against Moff Gideon, what happens, which we'll save to that part with the dark saber. I mean, I just want to kick it off with, obviously, the big one. You know, what surprised you the most? I know for me, I don't know if you've seen, um, there was a video, I'll see if I can find it on Twitter, of like, uh, it's uh, no, it's a it was a meme of uh, Joey from Friends where he's sitting there and he's like, it's just one X wing and he's sitting there fine and then he re and then it hits him, it's just one X wing and he's like all excited. I mean, as soon as I saw that, I was like, no way, they seriously are finding a way to bring back Luke Skywalker into this. That was what my thought was. My wife had no idea. Granted, she, as we talked about off here, she's a massive Star Trek fan. Uh, she likes Star Wars, but her Star Trek is more her thing. And she had no idea why I was geeking out. I wasn't for sure, but I, I was just like, oh, my God. Seriously, they're bringing Now, I thought it was going to be like Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill. They were going to figure out a way to do it. That obviously brought back his voice. It wasn't him. Uh, at I that think part. he was on the set. Was he? Oh, that's right, because yeah. you said he tweeted out a spoiler at one point. Yeah, yeah so at 12.01 on the day it was released, he's like, anybody seen anything good on te television today? Uh -huh. So I guess he did, he did participate in, uh, in doing it. So, I mean, what, what were your thoughts? Biggest, biggest surprise. I mean, for me, I, I feel like there's nothing else you can take away from that except for that moment. Like that was huge. That was, that was a pretty huge surprise. Cause you thought there'd be somebody and there had been a lot of rumors. It was going to be Mace Windu. Mm -hmm. Which I still don't. I know a hundred percent how they 
how they make that work. And then you'd have questions like, why TF did he not uh, show himself during the, 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 you know, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> Return of the Jedi. He, he was alive, but he was just chilling somewhere, yeah. you know, hiding. But, um, you know, you see the X-Wing, and I thought there had been some discussion that it might be the character from the Jedi Fallen Order. So I thought for a little while it could be Cameron Monaghan's character. Uh, but it was great when you see him and then R2 rolling in there. I think the other great thing, piece of fan service, and you know uh, Favreau and Filoni are fans you know, like the rest of us, is you see kind of Luke starting to rise to what he's going to be in Return of the Jedi, and you leave with the sense that he's kind of developed into that at the end, but then by the time we see him in the sequel trilogy, he's, you know, had some rough patches and he's an older guy. He's broken, um, you know, mentally and, and physically a little bit. So it was kind of neat to see Luke Skywalker kick ass. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting to see if we see any more of that with, uh, with Ahsoka Tano's no, new show. They've obviously mentioned a bunch of other different stuff. Do we get to see more of this possibly younger version of Luke Skywalker and bridge more of that gap? Because, again, we really don't know much outside of he starts up his own Jedi Academy and it doesn't work out. Like, that's all yeah. we really know. Which, also, let's let's hope Grogu, uh, you know, bounces. That, yeah. <laughs> become, becomes a dropout before. <laughs> that, I, that, was the, that was the other meme. They had him at the end of that episode. I yeah. will protect the both of my life. And then older Luke from Last Jedi yeah. saying, Kylo Ren killed all my students. Yeah, that's, that was that was the that was the other meme I saw going on for the place as well. Um, so I just mentioned uh, obviously just a minute ago before we start talking about Luke was uh the Moff Gideon that he has a fight with Mando there um when with little baby Yoda looks like he is going to just let him take him. They get into a fight and Seems more like it was a more well thought out fight from Moff Gideon than we thought it was uh, when the fight first started. What were your thoughts on that? I think Moff Gideon just saw there being no downside, but also uh, Mando was the only person in the free world, including audiences watching, that thought that Moff Gideon was just going to let him take Grogu and leave. I mean, I'm like standing there, I'm like, seriously, bro, don't turn your back on. I mean, I did. <laughs> I thought maybe. Right, maybe he was just like, you know what? He because he did say he got what he needed out of. Maybe he was being honest and he didn't want to give up the the dark saber. So maybe he was Man, just like, Mando's lucky him. he covers his entire body in Beskar because what the you know? But uh, it was kind of the reverse. You know, this probably the second best episode now this season was the Jedi, where you see Ahsoka Tano and that awesome fight where she's got the lightsabers and the the lady she's fighting has that has the best car and you know it's kind of an even and interesting fight you saw it kind of reversed here where mando has the best car uh spear and that's really his last best weapon uh to fight and he disarms him i think for moff gideon i don't think he necessarily wanted to lose but i don't think he i think he calculated that there wasn't a lot of downside because he thought that there was a chance the guy wouldn't kill him and also he obviously knows that that Sword has to be taken in battle, so that was kind of a final f you to Bo Katan. Yeah, that that was what I was referencing right there. Is is 
if he felt like he could not win or if that he wasn't going to die, he knew that he was giving the dark saber now to, in a way, giving it to Mando, knowing that Bo-Katan couldn't do it. And what kind of rift does that cause between them now? Because Bo-Katan, the only way she's going to get the dark saber back from Mando now is by beating him in battle, which is just going to, you could see how like pissed she was in that scene, seeing that. Like, I wonder what I, I would imagine there's going to be some kind of resolution to this, or there's going to be something that happens in season three with this. We don't get to really see yeah. a resolution in season two because that's when obviously Luke has already come through and, and, and does his business and everything. So, well, uh, I, I made uh, the guys I was watching. We we had a rewatch at work on Monday because a couple of the guys hadn't seen it. Uh, you know, it's a nice way to ring out 2020, you know, lunch in my office watching it. I made a couple of them laugh. I was like, you know, there's a third option. If they get married, it's community property, right? There As my go. wife says, what's my wife always says, what's hers is hers and what's mine is hers. So. Exactly. Yes. Anybody who's married knows that no true words have been spoken. So. Uh, so what what did you think about the end? We kind of already talked about, uh, you know, obviously I assume you agree with me that it was a great moment. It worked having him there. It was cool to see. It obviously sucked. I, I will say one of my other favorite memes of that moment was because um, I, I love the movie Big Daddy with Adam Sandler. I don't know if you saw that meme where uh, where he's mm. carrying Grogu away and Grogu is looking back at him. And it's the scene from uh, Big Daddy where the social worker is taking um, the little boy when he's like, but I wipe my own ass. I wipe my own ass. And and he's just like, I know. And like you just see that little tear right there on, on Mando's face. And he's just like, I know. I know, Grogu. But uh, it was uh, it, it, I thought it was great to see. Uh, you know, obviously it sucks to see Grogu leaving. We don't know. If, I, I would imagine they'll find a way to make him a part of the show again. At least I would think. But we don't know that for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was a natural kind of conclusion to the quest and the arc. I think the season three, we could see him turning his attention to the battle for Mandalore. What's what's the bummer to me with a little bit with all these spinoff shows that we talked about is, uh, you know, like Cara Dune has her own show, Boba yeah. Fett and and his and his buddy, they have their own show. So you're talking about a lot of, you know, what are potential story options? You're peeling a lot of the Mandalorian characters off. And putting in their own show, Ahsoka Tano has his own show, has her own show. So it kind of leaves he's either going to be doing kind of one-off quests, or maybe I, I was wondering if he wasn't going to be intrigued with trying to go fight for Mandalore, you know, joining a cause bigger. That seems to be something that's been appealing to him, a cause or something bigger than himself. But the the ending, I I think this was their best episode that they've ever had. Um, and you went from like the highest of highs seeing Luke Skywalker and, and just like blown away to that, that goodbye scene and, you know, put the little hand on, on his helmet and pulling his helmet off. I, it was emotionally devastating. Yeah, it was. Like I said, it sucks to see because we become so invested in those two as 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 kind of like a team and, and almost the way that they portray it, like a father-son dynamic between the way that those two treat each other. So it, it was horrible to kind of see that. And, and that's why I say you hope that they find a way to possibly bring those two back together, but we don't know that. That's kind of the, the bad part about that. What will be interesting if they make it into a possible – battle for Mandalore then is as how does that play in with Bo-Katan and the Darksaber because we know she yeah. wants that 
to claim her throne, and and he can't just give it to her, as we learned in well, that he episode. Tried. Yeah, he's no, tried. Yeah, like, he can't. So that, he's like, that'll, I yield. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, I still think there's ways for them to weave uh, weave the other characters back in. We saw, as you just mentioned, Boba Fett and Fang had the after credit scene where they go in, uh, take over Jabba the Hutt's old place, uh, and looks like they're going to be running their own possible crime syndicate. I still think there's ways they can weave them in. Cara Dune, I think, will still be a part of Mandalorian. Might be great ways for them to to kick off their shows is when you start off Mandalorian season three, kind of take him to different places of what they're doing and see what's going on with them. Uh, overall, I'm excited to see what they do next so far. I mean, even going into that first season where we expected, like you said, for it to be the kind of spaghetti Western stuff, the first couple episodes were amazing and none of us expected it to be centered around him trying to take care of, of what, who we referenced at the time was baby Yoda. We never expected that. And it turned out to be, a great show. You mentioned just a minute ago, Filoni and Favreau are huge fans of the uh, of Star Wars, the whole franchise. So I think they're going to continue to do a great job. I can't wait. The, now, now the new season comes out next year, right? Yeah, and so that would be the interesting part. Book of Boba Fett, they said, comes out in 2021. Well, we already know Mandalorian Season 3, the premiere date is Christmas Day 2021, yeah. which means it is the last thing to come out. So maybe those guys do their own show and that's how they cycle back in. Or maybe Mando makes an appearance. Um, you know, let's hope it stays on track unlike the Marvel projects for Disney plus or. Yeah. Well, I, I think obviously, hopefully for them, at least with everything going on in the world, it seems like we've all figured ways, figured out ways to live with COVID, if that makes sense, uh, and kind of do our jobs with it. I think obviously that's the biggest thing, especially with, I know like winter soldier, um, and Falcon, that was the thing. Yeah. Like they were filming in parts of South America where they were got devastated by COVID and they couldn't do anything anymore. But I think we've got, was it WandaVision next month, right? It's just a couple weeks away. Yeah. Isn't it's it? supposed to be really close to, to so that'll out. be, That'll be something we can possibly That's the talk thing. about. 2021 could be huge for yeah, for Disney Plus and kind of building out these worlds and universe. And you know, they've clearly they've clearly thought it out. I I'm excited to see where they go. Um, I think this Mandalorian set the stage really high after their their first season. You know, how would they follow up that high wire act? And they managed to top themselves in my opinion. So with everything they rolled out, um, I'm excited to see what comes next. I agree. And I, with what you just said there though, is the one thing that I think could hurt future shows moving forward is we have such a high bar now with Mandalorian. I'm wondering if I know, I feel like I won't because some people I think are going to go in and if Boba Fett and Fang are not quite what Mandalorian is, they're going to say it's a failure of a show where I think we're, we got to give some of these shows time because not everybody's going to be in, like maybe will be invested in Boba Fett because we were invested in him as a character in the original Star Wars movies. And we've seen kind of his portrayal now that he's back alive. Some people, I mean, they don't they only know Boba Fett from this old dude, old dude to Mandalorian. They may not know him from the other ones. So. That that's my biggest fear is that some people may not give these shows a chance. Uh, you know, with Ahsoka Tano coming out, Boba Fett and Fang, if they come out and they're not like huge hits right off the bat with Mandalorian, like Mandalorian was, do they they all of a sudden start saying, Well, these are crappy shows and not giving them a chance? So 
Uh, you know, I, I'm with you though. Favreau, I think, has continued to top himself with everything he's done when it comes to Marvel. Now this stuff, I can't imagine they're going to go. I would think they probably already know what they're doing in season, and they've known. You, you've mentioned many a times that they've known his name was going to be Grogu since the beginning, and and everybody knew except for us as fans. So I imagine he probably has. However many seasons, this is going to be a plan laid out for the most part on all this. So I, I'm with you. I'm excited to see what they do next. I can't imagine it's going to be a failure. I think it's just going to continue to to grow. And I do think it helps. You know, the, our biggest complaint is it's only eight episodes, and some of them end up being only 30, 40 minutes long. I think that does help them because they can mm. limit the story that they're telling and keep it as intriguing and as good as it has been for the past two seasons. Yeah, that's what they said. All all eight episodes of Mandalorian season two are like two and a half hours shorter than the sequel trilogy. Yeah, so it, I think that helps them out a lot, but it's going to be fun to see. Obviously, you know, I think with us being such big Marvel fans as well, you know, we we might do this with some of the other shows that are coming out. Again, we got uh, – I'm almost positive it's like the second week of January. I, is I when think it's January 16th. Yeah, that's what I think because that's right around my, my birthday. So hopefully it drops. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. My, wife, my wife's excited about that. So it's just another show I won't get to watch until she comes home, unfortunately. But hey, At least you get to watch it. Yeah, that's true. You're not, you're not going to get to watch it? No, I'll watch it. Oh, okay. Yeah, Lizzie's giving up. I, she just she just says, "Take your nerd pursuits downstairs." Hey, you know nothing wrong with that. Sometimes I wish my wife would say that, so you know, I could just go do my own thing. But because then I'm forced to watch Star Trek afterwards, and I, I could really not care at all about Star Trek. But it is what it is. So. As I mentioned before, we started breaking down the Mandalorian here. Me, Matt, and Dennis will be back on Thursday. That will be the last episode of the week. We're going to preview everything week 17. Uh, We'll kind of probably confirm it on Thursday, but just to give anybody who's watching now a heads up or listening to this episode later, uh, we will likely be moving back to two episodes a week starting next week as we get into offseason. We'll focus completely on... Probably the first couple weeks of playoffs, we'll recap, preview games moving forward. We'll talk about our playoff brackets and, and our playoff uh, uh, playoff format stuff that we do with uh, that Matt sets up. We'll reach out um, probably Thursday. We'll give anybody who's listening now a chance or let you know now, I guess, Matt, we can talk a little bit off air, but I figure we can put something together, yeah. send it out to fans and everything on Thursday with that episode, get a bunch of people in uh, that want to participate in that. We'll do same thing. I, won't, I don't know if I'll give away a jersey, but we'll give away something if someone ends up winning all that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll focus on Dynasty content and everything. So, again, thank you to everybody who's who's listened this year, jumped in the comments. This is our first year really doing video, so that's been a lot of fun, being on YouTube, Twitch, getting all the comments in and everything. I'm uh, looking forward to, to the offseason. Get to see children and pets. and Yeah, it's been a it's been a exciting season so that is that is for sure so uh we will uh see you guys again on thursday enjoy your next couple days prepare for glory i don't know if you got your pop on